Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. And it is Friday, so it's time for another classic episode. This episode is How Segways Work, and it originally published on March 27th, 2013. Segways were supposed to truly transform everything. The prediction was that they were going to make cities completely different. Um, I would argue that that didn't happen, but we probably saw them pave the way, for lack of a better word, for the e-scooter revolution that started around 2018. But let's sit back and listen to this classic episode. Lauren, you pointed out to me uh, that uh, we actually we as in tech stuff, recorded an episode about Dean Kamen, who is the, the founder of Segway, a long, long time ago. A very long time ago. Back in 2008. Yeah, well, he's done a whole bunch of other really cool stuff. Yeah, he, he invented a uh, thing called a Luke arm, which is a robotic arm meant for people who have lost a limb. Yeah, we talk a little bit, a bit about that in a whole other podcast thing we're doing. Yeah, over at uh, Forward Thinking. Mm-hmm. It's a great show. You guys, if you haven't uh, checked out Forward Thinking, you should definitely check it out. It's great stuff. Uh, he also invented a water purification device called the Slingshot, which can take pretty much anything that has water content in it and purify it into drinkable water. Oh, wow. Cool. So you could take sewage and put it through this thing, and it would actually produce clean, drinkable water. And it's meant for communities that have, uh, a, you know, have trouble accessing clean water. A fantastic thing. Yeah. Uh, and he's partnered with some pretty big companies for that. But the Segway, I think, is where a lot of people know Dean Kamen. Like they they heard about it that because of the Segway. Well it got it got a great deal of publicity, which we will talk about later in the episode because it was the the hype for it is can really only be called hype. It was very intense. It was it was like it was like if you had heard that this 
uh, rock and roll band that had not released an album in, in like 10 years was getting back together to do their first studio album uh, and uh, that you know in a decade and that would that would be kind of similar to the hype build up and of not only were they going to do an album but they were going to revolutionize the entire music industry with this album that's, that's fair. the level yeah that's uh-huh. fair so we'll talk about that uh, in a, a bit but first we wanted to kind of talk about actually what it was and how it worked so if you were to look at one of these things in case you have not seen it it looks like a little two-wheeled scooter but the wheels are uh, are, are side by side they're not in line right. with one another. They're side by side. And you, when you would stand on a platform with the left wheel to your left and the right wheel to your right, there's a, a bar that comes straight up vertically from the platform. Uh, there are handlebars Little attached handlebars to it. handlebars that you hold on to. Mm-hmm. And then when you... Uh, when you lean, it moves. When you lean forward, it starts to move forward. When you lean backward, it stops. If you lean back enough, it'll go backward a little bit. But mm-hmm. it's um, and uh, and and the the new models these days, when you tilt the handlebars, that is how you steer. Yeah, in uh, the original one, you would twist one of the handlebars, the right handlebars, like so, revving a motorcycle style. Exactly. And if you if you twisted if you twisted one way, it would turn left, and you twist the other way, it turns right. And it the way it turns is kind of cool. Uh, when you lean forward, both wheels engage and start moving forward. Simultaneously, correct. Uh, when you turn, only one wheel starts to move in one direction, and the other wheel uh, allows you to pivot on uh, on a dime. Oh, I mean, right, right. Yeah, it, it's a turning radius of zero. Yeah, a zero turning radius, which is pretty amazing. And uh, we'll talk about what he intended this device to do in the second half, I think. But first, we wanted to kind of talk about the actual technology that makes this possible. And uh, Dean came in before he had gone into developing the Segway, had already started to work on some pretty cool systems. He, he did some uh, work on uh, on uh, motorized wheelchairs that were capable of doing things like climbing up staircases. And that work kind of led him to the, the idea of, what if I created a device that could transport people at a good clip uh, and make it so that it it works on the same principle as what it's like when you're walking. Mm-hmm. So when you're walking... So it's intuitive, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it works in a way that feels natural to us. Although, I will tell you, the first time you get on a Segway, nothing feels natural about it. I haven't actually been on one. You have? I have. I've, done, I've, I've been on a Segway. I really enjoyed it. I had a great time. But... Have you ever engaged in an activity where the first step requires you to do something that feels totally unnatural to you? So there's like a your body is actually resisting what you have to do. Uh, basically, that's me walking every day. But I mean, but but for for example, when I switched from a, a WASD keyboard. Uh, first-person shooters to uh, Xbox controller, I was like, "What is this?" See, for me, what I think of is like the first time when I was a little kid that I ever tried snorkeling because I put my face in the water and my body's telling me, for goodness sakes, man, whatever you do, don't breathe in, you're underwater. And, you know, my, my rest of my brain is saying, foolish, scary reptile brain, that's not anything to worry about. You have a tube to the air, which is unobstructed. You can breathe all you like. And it took... That leaped, not literally, I didn't literally leap, but... It's hard to in water. No, yeah, I couldn't get enough traction. But it took that mental leap to get Mm -hmm. to a point where I felt comfortable. Same Mm -hmm. sort of thing on a Segway, because the way it works is that you start to lean forward as if you're going to take a step. Mm -hmm. Because basically what walking is, is controlled falling. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. You're you're throwing the upper part of your body forward. Uh-huh. You're you're essentially unbalancing yourself, and, and then counting you, on one leg or the other in sequence, yeah. hypothet- hypothetically, to, exactly. to catch you. Right? Yeah, you just you're constantly catching yourself with your legs. You're you know, especially if you're if you're walking at a good pace. You know, you'll see people they're leaning into it, and uh, and that weight is what's helping them propel forward. And then they swing a leg out, which catches them, stops them from falling, and they use that leg to push them forward, and then the other leg, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And it's something that we, once we start to learn how to walk, it just becomes natural to us. We don't even think about it. Oh, right, right. Well, we've got all kinds of uh, really, really intricate inner ear sensory mechanisms to tell us when we're balanced and when we're off balanced and how everything is going. It's a really, it's such an automatic process that when you're not two, you're not thinking about it. Yeah. And what's also funny is that that 
that same system of sensors that we have in our brain? Well, two things are funny. One thing is that a lot of that informed Dean Kamen when he was designing the Segway. He right. wanted to have a mechanical means to sort of recreate that. And the other thing is that these sensors are not uh, fail. There's, they're not foolproof. Sure. We we can fool ourselves. Uh, this is partially what leads us to things like motion sickness, mm-hmm. where we get one set of input from a set of senses telling us one thing and a different set of input from other senses telling us another thing. And that, that conflict makes our brain say, okay, if that's how you're going to play it, we're losing lunch. That's it. Uh-huh. Uh, someone who has suffered from, uh, from car sickness, motion sickness that way, uh, strangely enough, never got seasick, but I've been motion sick from a car before. Uh. But anyway... So the, the, they are fallible, these systems, in our, our brains and in the Segway, as it turns out. So Dean came and wanted to create the Segway in such a way that it would uh, require you to lean forward as if you were going to take a step, and that would be the indicator to move. Right, and then, and then sort of trust the machine. I, I imagine that that's where you that's have your jump. initial problem, yes. because you're, you're, you're leaning forward and you're not catching yourself. Yeah, and, and you know, you've already been told, you've already been told, do not... Take your foot off the platform to step and catch yourself because then you run yourself over. <laughs> so not only right. do you not you catch wearing, yourself. You are wearing a helmet at the time, hypothetically. But, yes, uh, I was wearing a helmet at the mm-hmm. time. That was, that, was, uh, that was a requirement. Right. Uh, I want to say that I was at Disney when I did this. It was at some park, and I think it was Disney. And it was, uh, it was not the full Epcot tour, which we can talk about. I've got a little factoid on that. Uh, there is a, a, a tour that very popular tour at Epcot that uh, uses segways. It wasn't that. It was just a little like familiarize yourself with this technology thing. And I was mm-hmm. like, I've always wanted to do this, and that's when I tried it. So I've only done it the one time, and I really would love to to have more time with it because it was an interesting experience. But yes, it requires you to m- move forward as if you were going to take a step, but not take your weight completely off your foot. Just lean forward as if you were about to start walking, and that makes the Segway go, yeah, which is kind of cool. Um, now, the way it does that is it has a complex system of gyroscopes inside to kind of uh, let it know what orientation the Segway is in relative to the ground. Right. It has five gyroscopes, in fact. And technically, it's really only using three of them. Two of them are fail-safes. But- yeah. Yeah, three of them are meant to detect things like forward, uh, leaning forward, leaning backward, and tilt to the left or right. Right. Okay, but so so a gyroscope. Let's talk about what a gyroscope is because this right. is a little bit integral. Yeah. Um. So it's it's basically just a spinning wheel inside a frame. Yeah. The frame itself is stable and free. Uh, the the spinning wheel uh, has um, well, it's rotating around an axis. Sure. Right. So you've got the axis at the center of the wheel. The wheel rotates. And then it res- it resists changes, forces uh, that would change the alignment of that gyroscope. So, oh, be- because if you push on the on the spinning wheel, the it's just going to transfer into. It's it's called precessing. Okay. This is a really is this is an interesting thing. It's actually. It's one of those things that's kind of difficult to explain in an audio podcast. Uh, first of all, let me tell you that at HowStuffWorks.com, we have an article on how gyroscopes work, which includes video showing what I'm about to talk about. So if you have trouble visualizing what I'm about to explain... Despite the fact that we're both gesticulating wildly. Yeah, I really, I mean, there's only so much I can get across in radio, right? Uh, but you can go there and, and look it up. But what a gyroscope does is this, this whole thing of precessing is, imagine that you have a bicycle wheel suspended from a string. So okay. the string's tied to the ceiling somewhere. The bicycle wheel's hanging down. The the uh, string is tied to the axis of the wheel, so it could still spin freely, okay? Got it. Now, if you were to align that wheel so it's vertical uh, relative to the ground, so the wheel is as if it was on a bicycle that you were riding down the street, sure. okay? Uh, the string is tied to one side of that axis. So there's a, a string that's coming down on one side of the axis. The other side of the axis doesn't have a string tied to it. So there's nothing to keep it vertical. Okay. If you were to just let go, that wheel would flop down into the horizontal uh, uh, formation. It would just be parallel to the ground. Correct. More or less. If you were to turn it vertical and then start spinning the wheel, it would remain vertical. Really? And it would slowly begin to rotate around the string. So that's the precession, is that it's rotating around a different axis perpendicular to the one of its main motion. Now, why is it staying vertical as opposed to flopping over? The reason for that is that 
if you were to uh, apply a force to say, uh, let's say you've got the bicycle wheel spinning in your arms, okay? You're you're holding the you're holding the axis uh, in front of you, and the wheel is vertical, and you've got it spinning. You can do this. I've seen science museums that have had this, where you sit in a, a, a swivel chair and you hold the um, the bicycle wheel in front of you, like you extend your arms out so that the wheel can spin freely in front of you. Uh, if you try and tilt that wheel, you'll feel resistance. And the reason for that is that imagine that, uh, th- you know, take a still image, like you're able to freeze time. Okay. Okay. Oh, I can. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's good. And you're going to tilt the wheel so that the top of the wheel, from your perspective, would be moving to the left and the bottom of the wheel would be moving to the right. You're tilting it on a diagonal. Okay. Now, as that wheel is spinning, the point where you would be turning it to the left, that, that's, you're replying a force to that section. So imagine, imagine a, a spot at the very top of the wheel, at the vertical apex of that wheel. Uh-huh. Okay? That's where you're applying the force to move to the left. Now, the wheel's actually spinning, so if we were to jump ahead 20 frames, now the point is directly in front of the wheel. It's no longer at the top. It is rotated around to be in the front. And uh, uh, it still wants to go toward the left. Go ahead another 20 frames. Now the point is at the bottom of the wheel. It still wants to go to the left, but the force you're applying is trying to make the bottom of the wheel go to the right. So the force you're applying is trying to push the wheel's direction in one way, but because that reference point was at the top at the beginning and it's still trying to go to the left from when you were applying the force at the very beginning, those two forces cancel each other out. It resists the the force to make it move in a different direction. And uh, then you also have the precession. So if you're sitting in a swivel chair, you start to spin around. It's kind of fun. Uh, this is a great, cheap way to entertain small children. Um, anyway... It's an interesting, just an interesting uh, fact of physics is that you know, a gyroscope in this this uh, stable frame will react in this way. But so, okay, so so the the point of gyroscopes being in devices like this is that if you measure the position of the spinning wheel inside of its frame, you can determine um, the, the the pitch and the pitch rate. Yeah, exactly. You're you're looking at like the the frame itself can move freely within the. Uh, confines of whatever it is you're talking whatever about. Whatever device you're talking right. about. Right, whether it's, it could be a Segway, it could be an airplane, it could be a phone. Um, and so it, it can move freely within that context, and it may be a solid-state drive, as is the case with uh, the Segway. It right. may not be an actual physical gyroscope. Yeah, 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 and we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. Right, And uh, but if you're able to do that in such a way, then the gyroscope and the, uh, the pitch detection will allow the, uh, will give enough information so that some sort of processor can take that information in and know what orientation the Segway is in relative to the ground. Right. So by detecting these changes and by detecting the forces that are enacting upon these different gyroscopes, the Segway can interpret that and say, oh, I should engage the motor to drive forward or I should stop or I should move backwards. backwards." Exactly. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. I should I should probably put up a warning because this guy's really leaning over a bit too far. Right, right. Um, but so so yeah. So the kind of gyroscopes that are that are in a Segway are these solid state angular rate sensors. Yes. That um that are basically the way that I understand it, it's a little silicon plate. Yes. And I think I actually said that the correct way the first time. Yes, you did. Win. It's silicon, not silicone. You're exactly right. <laughs> two two separate issues. Um, and so it's a it's a silicon. Silicon plate mounted on a support frame, yes. and uh, uh, you run you run an electrostatic current across the plate. Uh-huh. It wiggles the silicon particles around yes. and makes the plate as a whole vibrate in a very predictable way. Right. Um, and when there's a a physical change in the forces, uh, meaning when you've tilted in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when you physically move the plate on its axis, uh-huh. ax, axis. Yes. <laughs> talking is great, uh, the particles suddenly shift and the vibration changes. Right. And by changing of vibration, you know that there's a change in the state that you are in, whether that's a tilt or you know whatever other thing you might have this gyroscope in. But in the case of the Segway, we're talking about specifically the tilt of the Segway itself. Right. So if you hook a computer up to this, it can measure 
the precise change. Right, and, and, and interpret it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if it says like, oh, it's changed a little bit, like the vibration has changed a little bit, indicating that the person is starting to lean forward, time to engage the motors. If it's changed a lot, it might mean that the person has leaned forward pretty hard, which indicates that you should move at a faster pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got these motors that will engage in order to uh, activate the wheels, and the wheels begin to turn, and that's where you get the motion. So um, the, the thing that's keeping this all going is... Uh, uh, you know, you've got the gyroscopic sensors, that's giving the information, but then you have two circuit boards that have controllers on them, uh, has ten microprocessors total in the original Segway, and those microprocessors are what's taking in all this information and, uh, and, and translating it into action. Yeah, yeah, that, that first one, um, the, the microprocessors would check the position sensors about a hundred times per second. That's right. Yeah, so that way it can make sure that it's giving the right information to the motors so that you're, you're moving at the right speed compared to how you are, uh, how you're physically manipulating the Segway. Right, right. It's, it's also got in there, um, a couple of tilt sensors filled with electrolyte fluid. Electrolytes being, of course, what plants crave. Thank you. Um, Brondo. <laughs> which, which is, again, just like your inner ear. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, your inner ear has fluid in it, and that's what helps you determine what your orientation is relative to your environment. This is why one of the reasons why when people go up in the uh, the, the vomit comet, mm-hmm. that's why it's called that. Because when you're in the vomit comet, you're you're the sensory information you're getting from your eyes and from your your you know what you're feeling is so different from what your inner ear is trying to make sense of when this fluid is suddenly oh, right. In a free sure, fall. yeah, yeah. It's basically you've just got this little sensor in your head where you've got a level of fluid, and that is how you calibrate yourself to the ground by based on on where the fluid is tilting. Right, and and in a free fall motion, that that information ends up being a little weird, and so a lot of people end up, again, losing their lunch, mm-hmm. which is why they often refer to the planes that take these these flights as the vomit comet. Yeah, but it is interesting that the Segway itself has this electrolyte. Now, Grant, you don't have to worry about your Segway losing its lunch. Don't worry about that part. That part, similarity has now ended. But other than that, it is using a very similar approach to detect tilt as the way humans do, which, again, kind of cool that Dean Kamen is taking, taking you know, direction from the way our bodies do stuff to help inform him on the way he makes technology. I, I, bl- I blame it on his extensive medical background. He, yeah, and again, the Luke arm, another example of that, mm-hmm, right? He, yeah. He's taking that, that well, how do humans do things, and how can we make technology that emulates this? Yeah, he was also, uh, when he was in college, he was the first, uh, he invented the first drug injection pump. And later, the first portable insulin pump, which is part of how he made such huge such amounts of money. And, then, yeah. and the the cool thing to me is that it's obvious that what drives him is a desire to innovate and to help people. Yeah, and he talks very passionately. There's some really really good interviews with him. Uh, we'll link them on social where he's talking about watching people use his inventions for the first time and and them kind you know, you know pe- people who haven't been able to move this way yeah. ever yeah. and in some cases and and them and just the amount of pride and and just awesome that happens yeah when the that fact goes. that that is what what really uh, uh gives him an incentive to continue yeah it's pretty interesting stuff it's it's a really cool story and in fact there's a whole section of the Segway story that we need to get into which involves the whole uh hype issue and a little bit more about the the original Segway models that came out, uh, and uh, and some controversy that Segway has had over the years. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But first, before we do that, let's take a quick moment to thank our sponsor. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. 
But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited time 11 month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or slash CV for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Let's segue back into our episode, shall we? Oh, no. I couldn't resist. And so uh, just a few more facts about the original segue. Uh, Keep in mind that they've made several different models over the course of the segue's life. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the earlier ones, uh, they had a top speed of about 12 and a half miles per hour, which is around 20 kilometers per hour. Oh, right. Uh, I think in in some other countries it was maybe 13 and a half, but but yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It all depended on, uh, well, it also depended on what, which model you had. Uh Uh-huh. Because they did, they did do a range of them. Sure, uh, sure. Uh, we have an article on our site, How the Segway Works, and that one, we specifically looked at the Segway HT, which was one of the earlier models. Mm-hmm. Um, it required about six hours of charging. It had a range of around 17 miles, which was about 28 kilometers. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the current Segways are called PT, which stands for Personal Transporter, uh, and they have a whole line of them that do different things. Yeah, for... for, uh, for like city travel versus off-road. Versus security purposes. They've got one specifically for golf courses. Yep. They've got some where they have like uh, all these containers on them so that you can carry stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you have to transport things. Granted, none of them are going to uh, replace the minivan. So soccer moms are not going to be able to. I mean, I guess you could maybe tie a couple of uh, of uh, 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 red wagons behind and just like like a mama duck. I was really waiting for you to say like small children to the handlebars, and I was like, I don't think that I would. I, I, I wouldn't advocate that, that. I wouldn't no. advocate that. I wouldn't advocate the, the the wagons actually either. That would be a disaster. But anyway, um, the the motors of those early Segways had a, about two horsepower worth of power, and had a two stage transmission with a twenty four to one gear ratio with a helical gear assembly, and it was actually a harmonic assembly. Yeah, they uh, they engineered it so that the sounds that the the two meshes in the gearbox would were exactly two octaves apart. Right. So they would harmonize. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Some might say crazy. Um, it weighed the original, the the HT, the one that we talked about in our article, weighed about uh, 83 pounds, which is about 38 kilograms. And it could carry a person of up to 260 pounds, which is about 118 kilograms, or for my friends in England, 18 and a half stone. Uh, it had uh, two lithium ion batteries to supply power. Uh, rechargeable, rechargeable, obviously. You wouldn't want to have to plop out a different battery every 15 to 17 miles or so. Bad times. Um, and it used an electronic key system with 128-bit encrypted digital code. So you had this key that would plug into... It's sort of like a little like like flash drive-shaped yeah, thing. Yeah. Except it, you wouldn't have called it that then because... Right. You would have called it... Well, you could have called it that then. They'd had the flash at that point, but it, it really wasn't. But it was a digital key that has 128-bit encrypted code on it so that the Segway will only work with that code and uh, you don't have to worry about someone... 
not necessarily not have to worry about it, but if someone did run off with your Segway, they couldn't use it. Right. They, um, they would have to literally lift it up and move it away, which but, kind of defeats the point. Right. Purpose. Right. So that's that's the that's the basic mm-hmm. model that we talked about in our in our uh, uh, not our podcast, our article. But there are quite a few other ones that are out now. Like I said, there's the the I two, which is your basic normal terrain uh, Segway, mm-hmm. and then the there's the X two, which is the <laughs> The off-road, the yes, X2 the Adventure. Off-road. X2 yeah. Adventure, off-road travel. Yeah, and they've even got some that were, you know, they worked with DARPA to, to design um, a kind of Segway that was used as a, a platform for robotics. Right. Um, they've worked, uh, they've created different models like three-wheeled and four-wheeled uh, vehicles based on the Segway technology um, for yeah, various they... things. Uh, here in Atlanta, we have uh, Atlanta ambassadors. These are people who are in downtown Atlanta who often help out during uh, big events, like when when something's going on downtown and and uh, you know there's going to be a lot of people there. Uh, these folks are there to kind of help give directions and mm-hmm. and you know someone's like, hey, I'm looking for the Georgia Aquarium. Where do I go from here? I was oh, you need to walk down this two blocks and take a left. That kind of thing. A lot of them have segways. So I see them whenever I'm downtown for, you know, Dragon Con or mm-hmm. St. Patrick's Day Parade, which uh, at the time of this recording will be in just a couple of days. Um, so, but they, they have them. I've seen them in airports. A lot of airports have ha- I've seen, uh, especially airport security on sure. these. I've seen police on these. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, they were big at the uh, Beijing Olympics yep. in 2008. In fact, I want to say that, um, that, the most I well, I think the most I ever saw at one point was actually at Epcot because, like I said, uh, Epcot Center, uh, not Epcot Center. They, mm-hmm. they used to be called Epcot Center. <laughs> I, I was there when it opened because, as Lauren has pointed out numerous times, I'm old. But I remember uh, going to Epcot and seeing people on these, and that was probably the first time I saw them in person. But go back to when it was uh, unveiled, or even before it was unveiled, came and actually came up with the idea in the late '90s, like '99. And he had this idea of creating devices that could operate on pedestrian sidewalks and paths. And in 2001, the company that would become Segway broke ground on its manufacturing plant in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. which is where uh, Dean Kamen's from. Uh-huh. Yeah, they, they broke ground in February and I think uh, completed it in November. Yep, yep, right in November, December. And they adopted the name Segway in December 2001. And that's actually when they unveiled the Segway, the first mm-hmm. models of it. Uh, on Good Morning America, a television program that's kind of a, a news-oriented television program here in uh, in the United States, and uh, I actually saw this. I saw the unveiling episode. Uh, yeah, I, you, uh, you you stayed home. Stayed home from work. You. Uh, I didn't stay home from no. work. I delayed leaving. <laughs> Uh, not that I'm right. gonna get, well, am I going to get in trouble? I mean, I haven't worked for this company in years. In 2001, I was not working for How Stuff Works. I was I was not here. I was working for a totally different company. I did drag my feet leaving the house that morning because I knew that this was happening. Everywhere in the news, it had been that there was going to be this incredible, incredible device. And it had two code names that I recall mm-hmm. off the top of my head. One was IT. Right, all, all caps. It what, like like the scary clown. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one was nice, Pennywise. Uh, the other one was Tim Curry was the uh-huh. television adaptation. Creepy of that. guy. Um, Stephen King. Uh, the the second one uh, was Ginger. Ginger, yeah, uh, and that was it was it had been codenamed Ginger based on the fact that the uh, wheelchair that uh, Decca had designed earlier was called. Fred upstairs within the lab, uh, based on Fred Astaire, right? Because they were they were saying that it just dances right up the stairs. Right, magically. it was a wheelchair that could climb stairs. Uh-huh. But Fred and then Ginger, and so and so Ginger. And so of course, Ginger could do everything Fred could do, backwards in heels. In heels. Uh, so not that the segue necessarily did, but I, it's just one of my favorite little quotes. Um, um, but, but but so uh, a journalist had started writing this book called Codename Ginger, uh-huh. and it was leaked at the beginning of 2001, uh, I think by Inside.com. Okay. And this is, I think, what really created all of this insane hype. Right. Because it was, the, the book took such pains to not talk specifically about what this machine did. But it was going to change the world, and and you got these quotes from people like like Steve Jobs, yeah, that were like, "This is this is going to be bigger than the PC." Again, without it actually revealing what it was, was that the people who had found out about it 
said it was going to be this phenomenal technology that was going to fundamentally change the way we live. Mm-hmm. And and it was built up so much. I mean, hype is is seems like a like a good thing hypothetically. Well, well I was going to say that hype is probably not even strong enough of a word considering that, you know, the deliverables that were being promised on based on this technology that no one outside of a very small group of people uh-huh. had any knowledge about. People were saying that that cities were going to be redesigned around this thing right. and and that it was going to be bigger than the internet. Yeah, and then Good Morning America had its unveiling. And before the the show, I remember like days before the show aired, uh, there were already rumors that it was going to be some sort of motorized scooter device. And this was based off patents that had been filed, as sure. well as Dean Kamen's previous work with the wheelchairs and things of that mm-hmm. nature. And so uh, when it actually happened, like I was hoping at the time that it wasn't going to end up being a scooter because I was thinking like if it's something totally different, that's going to be awesome. If it's a scooter, it still could be awesome, but it's going to be but- something, it's not going to be as cool as if it were something totally out of left field. And then I saw it and I thought, well, that's interesting, but... Is it really going to change the world? And I understood what, what what they were going for. They were saying that, you know, especially in cities, particularly in cities, which is where the majority of people tend to live. Not sure. that not that there aren't plenty There's of people out in rural areas. Population density, yeah. Yeah, you've got very dense populations in cities. That traffic is a real problem. You've got people who are getting in their cars to go relatively short distances to do. Uh, basic stuff. Like here in Atlanta, uh, there's... I think we mentioned the traffic on the show about once every other episode. Well, but yeah, and not just traffic, though. I was going to say that we don't have... Like, our, our public transportation system is not... Doesn't measure up to public transportation systems in, in some other cities, like uh-huh. D.C. or New York or Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we do have one, and it and you can use it, mm-hmm. but it's just not ideal. It's not... Doesn't run as frequently as some other cities, and it doesn't... It doesn't go to as many places. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that means that if you want to get around it Atlanta and you want to do it effectively, you pretty much have to have a car. And the idea was that for cities like Atlanta and other cities that have similar issues, the Segway could end up allowing you to go further than you would if you were on foot Mm -hmm. uh, and not clog up all the streets. So it would alleviate traffic problems. Mm -hmm. It would start, because it's an electric vehicle, it does not actually generate any uh, any. Uh, uh, greenhouse gases mm-hmm. or toxins, although you could argue that depending on how the electricity was generated, that's still a problem. It's just not being created it, by the right, vehicle right. itself. It's not direct. It's just a couple steps. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that would also be a thing, and that it would, uh, you know, it could it could really be a big benefit. But for that to work, you have to have an infrastructure that supports that kind of transportation. Mm-hmm. At the very least, uh, bike lanes. Uh, or, or really wide sidewalks. Really wide sidewalks. One of the big things that uh, that DECA and Segway were trying to do was create legislature that would allow the Segway to to go on sidewalks. And right. They had huge pushback from a lot of communities. I think that it's that they're banned entirely on sidewalks in the UK. Maybe in, in um, some places they are. I know mm-hmm. in some cities they definitely are. It, it varies was, state by state and municipality by municipality. It, but. it probably doesn't surprise you to know that the first state to uh, legalize the Segway on pedestrian sidewalks was, in fact, New Hampshire, right? Where the Segway was located. It was that that was passed into law on February fifteenth, two thousand two, uh, and uh, and it wasn't until November eighteenth, two thousand two, that Segways went on sale to the public for the first time on Amazon.com, right? Hey guys, I want to take a break here. I want to transition from this episode into an ad break. So we're going to call that a segue, segue. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. 
There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited time 11 month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org/slash CD for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 2005 was when Disney World was introducing the Around the World at Epcot Segway Tour. So for those who have not been to Epcot, it's divided into two big sections. You have the the future world section where it's all about energy and transportation and uh, the, the things that are going to be important to us in the years to come and kind of the innovations that we can expect or maybe even stuff that, you know, is really far out there. Maybe it'll never happen. That yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. The other one is the World Showcase, which has – it's almost like a, a permanent World's Fair. Yeah. It has, a, a, it has different pavilions that represent various countries in the world. And they are, the Around the World Segway Tour was a Segway Tour that would take you around the World Showcase. And it was like a two-hour-long tour, and it would allow you to start to uh, explore the World Showcase a couple of hours before it was open to the general public. Because the way that Epcot works, or at least it used to, I assume it still does – uh, is when the doors would open, meaning that when they would let you into the park, you could only go into the future world part for the first couple of hours. The okay. world showcase would be held off, and like like if the park opens at eight a.m., then the world showcase sure. would open at ten. So this tour would allow you to go through the world showcase at eight a.m., so you don't have to worry about running down Jimmy, who isn't paying attention because he wants a Mickey Mouse doll. Right? Yeah, uh, Disney has actually banned the use of segways other than in their tours. Yeah, uh, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, one of the problems that it's had with all of this is that um, segways are not technically graded for medical use. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, although they can help people with disabilities move from one place to another, because uh, because Decca worked with Johnson and Johnson on some of their um, some of the gyroscopic platform technology. Uh-huh. Johnson and Johnson actually owns that copyright and for for medical use. And Interesting. So, yeah, I did not know that. That didn't come up in my research. I know that on September fourteenth, two thousand six, they actually issued a recall for twenty three thousand segways. And that because, is all of them. At yeah, that, that was time. that was all of them at that at that time because uh, there was a software glitch, and that software glitch would cause the wheels to occasionally and spontaneously reverse direction, which obviously that would be a bad thing. I mean, imagine if you're, if you're riding on it and you're not strapped into this thing, which you're not. Then. Yeah, well, it's like, like the the way I explain it to people is that imagine you're walking down uh, down the street and then suddenly the ground underneath you shifts direction the opposite the way. You know, you would end up on your back. Pretty quickly mm-hmm. and uh, in fact there were people who fell off the segway which you know when, when it was first introduced that was one of the big things as they were saying that you know because of all the gyroscopes it'd be really not that it'd be impossible but, but it'd be difficult. hard to you fall would have off. to be trying but then what this software glitch you know made it 
very easy to fall off a Segway if it happened. And in fact, people were, ended up getting some injuries, like some broken wrists and things like yeah, that. Yeah. There, there was a smaller recall back in uh, 2003 because when the charge got too low, the, the Segway would just stop very abruptly. And so oh, they had yeah. to... They so had then to... You, you start tumbling off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same mm-hmm. sort of thing. Um, I know that in, in 2009... Uh, Dean came and ended up selling the company, and he sold it to uh, Jim Hesselden, whose last name I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing correctly. But I'm not sure. He was He's known as Jimmy, Jimmy. Uh, mm-hmm. in the UK. Uh, and he was a guy who was a, a businessman and a philanthropist, mm-hmm. uh, really, really known for his philanthropic endeavors. And tragically, in September 2010, he uh, uh, Hesselden died in an accident. Uh, he actually involving a Segway. Yeah, you know, he was on a Segway, and he ended up falling off the edge of a cliff in a wooded area. He was in one of the off-road Segways, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so, supposedly he uh, encountered a walker on a path and uh, and reversed to get out of the walker's way and tumbled over. Oh, I did not. I didn't see that. That's part. I, that, that's that's kind of unconfirmed. I think that I read that on like on like Daily Mail or something gotcha, like that. So I'm gotcha. not. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was a tragic accident. Mm-hmm. It was a terrible thing, and and, uh, and I and, you know I cannot say for certain, but I have a feeling that that was part of what prompted Segway to uh, insert. So if you go to visit the Segway website, a little Segway safety pop up mm-hmm. will appear and tell you that you know you need to review the safety procedures of uh, and know how to ride a Segway in order for you to. Uh, operate one safely, mm-hmm. and so there's a there's an actual pop up that'll obscure your view of the Segway website until you you know dismiss it, and um, they even have a full video that explains you know how the Segway works and the best way to operate it safely so that you don't end up injuring yourself. Um, and on February 28th, 2013, Segway was acquired by Summit Strategic Investments LLC, mm-hmm. which is the current company that owns the brand. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we are right now. Well, just uh, just a few. Actually, on this March sixth, uh, they announced the development of a three-wheel security device that's um, right. planned to be coming out in uh, Q four uh, this this year, uh, twenty thirteen. Yep. Um, and and yeah, I mean, you know, so it's a reading all about this kind of broke my heart because because Cayman was so passionate about how this this terrific device could really change the world and change people's lives and mm-hmm. change. Our cityscapes for the better, and it fizzled so much. Uh, you know, it's we we talked about how the company debuted in 2002. They started selling the things in 2006. They had only sold 23,000 units. They were hoping to have been selling 40,000 per year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of things happened. It was uh, it, it's been a tough time the past decade or so for consumer. Right. Yeah. You've had economic downturns. Mm-hmm. You've had resistance on the part of many municipalities to allow the Segway to travel along things like sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also other just practical considerations. I mean, obviously, a Segway is great if you happen to live in a place where the climate is nice and mild. Sure. But if you are in a place that gets a lot of rain, mm-hmm. a Segway is not, you know, you're not going to be covered in the rain. You're mm-hmm. going to actually be out there. Mm-hmm. And depending upon how the Segway is made, it may not operate so well in the rain <laughs> after a while. Or, you know, like I've um, hung out in New Hampshire. There are many months in New Hampshire that I would not want to be to riding be, right. a Segway down a sidewalk. Yeah, yeah, so there's there's lots of reasons why the Segway adoption may have been slower. And I think the main one is just that, you know, we were so far along in the infrastructure that we rely on already. Right. Like, we're, we're so dependent upon a certain way for our cities to, to work, for us to get around in comfortably, that to expect a change in that is a little... On the optimistic side, it would mm-hmm. require a huge amount of effort, time, and money, and and when I say a huge amount of time, I'm talking decades to really oh, yeah. refit a city in such a way so it would be ideal for using uh, something like a Segway, particularly if you're in a city that has a uh, actually a fairly healthy pedestrian population. Healthy as in there are a lot of people out there walking. Right, right. Not necessarily that they're all in great health. <laughs> Uh, Atlanta, not so great for pedestrians, ten, I would say. I mean, pedestrians... Oh, just... no. We have very few sidewalks uh, outside of our main metropolitan areas. And, you know, that's the other thing with these segways is that I think that the concept was always for them to be secondary to a car, to, like, yeah. have a car and then have the segway in it and, you know, park the car somewhere and then take the segway out and go about your business. Right. Or, or if you happen to live, like, you know, two miles away from a market, then you could just take can the segway there. And then you for that, sure. But, you know, but it, when these units cost over five grand a pop... Yeah. And they weigh almost a hundred pounds. Uh-huh. Then you know, it, that's, you know, it's not easy to carry them around. Yeah, that's um, that's that's one of me. So that's you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, okay, 
So anyway, <laughs> I'm just depressed now because I'm thinking about how much weight I need to lose before I come close to being a segue. Um, but anyway, yeah, there there are a lot of there are a lot of reasons I think that that explain why the Segway did not become the thing of the future. It was certainly an incredible innovation. It was a really interesting uh, engineering feat. I've seen similar um, products come out that are based on the same general principles as the Segway. Some of them are things like motorized uh, roller skates or a Mm -hmm. motorized skateboard kind of thing. uh, Honda came out with a unicycle-looking sort of thing that, yep. that, that works on a similar basis. And yep. I think that Toyota, or I mean, they didn't come out with it. It's in prototype. But they, um, I've seen them at CES. I've seen a motorized, essentially it's a motorized unicycle that you stand on. And again, just like with the Segway, you would lean forward to indicate that you want to move forward. And uh, I remember hearing that it takes about 30 to 45 minutes to kind of acclimate yourself to it, to where you can comfortably uh, maneuver through an environment, say, uh, I don't know, a giant conference room that's filled with hundreds of thousands of people, like CES. Just for I, example. If I had been on there, I would have probably mangled at least 40 or 50 people before I actually... No, let's be fair. I probably would have run over myself, and that right, would have been the right. end of it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, hypothetically, these things only go 12.5 miles an hour. Um, that, that is on purpose. They have a speed limiter in them. That's yeah. that's the issue that caused the recall back right. in 2006. The speed limiter was uh, was malfunctioning. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's but, it, you know, it, there, there were definitely ideas to, uh, to really... Uh, to really uh, to to make it as useful as possible and limit the the possible malfunctions or injuries that can happen uh, when people start using a technology that as a brand new mode of transportation. I mean, obviously you have to take those things into account. I hope you guys enjoyed this classic episode of Tech Stuff. I can always tell that they're a big hit by the amount of eye rolling that Tari gives me as she listens to my puns. If you guys have any suggestions for future topics for Tech Stuff, let me know. Let me know on Twitter or Facebook. The handle for us at both of those locations is TechStuffHSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon. TechStuff is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.